Welcome to the Introvert 360 Podcast. Each episode, your distinguished hosts, Carrie and Rebecca, will analyze the extrovert's hidden agenda and how introversion can affect one's life experiences. I have cats. And how is that related? Fine. Maybe we'll just talk about creative careers, workplace culture, and cake. But introverts really... But introverts really need to know about the hidden agenda of extroverts. Get over it. Anyway, get ready to put on your introvert colored glasses. What color are introvert colored glasses? Rainbow unicorn. Unicorn isn't a color. That's what the extroverts want you to think. It's me, Rebecca, and I'm meeting with Carrie, who apparently wants to go over our roles for some sort of show. I'm not sure how I got a part, since I didn't even go to an audition. Maybe I was cast purely on my beautiful podcast voice. Portrait of an only child. I was a quiet child, always reading and daydreaming. I whispered stories to the dog who never thought I was odd. Hmm, never, never thought I was odd. Something that rhymes with odd. Mod, bod, Todd. Hey, um, your projection is pretty good here, but I'm not really sure if I understand your motivation. <laughs> Hi, uh, but what? Uh, don't worry, you'll get there. So tell me about my part. Okay, um, portrait of a youngest child. I like to play with friends. I'm rebellious to the end. I'm artistic, less scientific. Uh, So the show is experimental, huh? I really don't see that there's a plot or anything. What show? You said you wanted to discuss our roles. (laughs) Yeah, but our personality is based on birth order. Oh, you've got to be kidding me. I spent all morning working on my vocal exercises. (laughs) I was just reading a blog post about how birth order affects personality and even MBTI type. And I thought we could talk about it on the podcast. Really? Is one of the indicators that only children like you are super, super gullible? Hey, now, onlys are supposed to be the most trusting. So I guess that's fair. I think it's interesting, though, to think about what makes us who we are. And some people believe strongly in astrology, and some people love the Enneagram, and I just like to consider how all the factors might affect how we become who we are. But birth order, do we really think that the personality is shaped by how used the womb is? (laughs) Gross! I think birth order personality has more to do with how children are treated according to the birth order and the role the children assume in their families rather than um, used wombs, which is <laughs> gross. Okay. Um, so in that case, I assumed the role of a pink unicorn. You did not. Well, I'm as much a pink unicorn as a typical youngest child. Really? Nay, 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 nay. Okay, 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 okay. Fine, pink unicorn. I'm going to start by going over what I learned. Basically, birth order theory is where all stereotypes about the eldest, middle, youngest, and only children are confirmed. There's also some research that highlights that your chance of being a particular MBTI type can be greatly impacted by your birth order. 
How about your chance of being a pink unicorn? Hmm. You know, looking through my notes, surprisingly, that wasn't covered. Huh. Oh, darn. I suppose we might as well talk about this birth order thing then. Um, so you're an only child. Now, when I think about onlys in general, I think of children who are more comfortable around adults and adults who really, 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 really want things done their way. Um, now, let's see what this list of attributes that I have here says. Okay, so according to the list, the attributes of onlys include most trusting, which is something you mentioned before, the high need for achievement, most likely to go to college, most behavioral problems, come on girl, uh, the lowest need for affiliation unless you're extremely stressed out, selfishness, most cooperative, and the strongest gender identity, which I don't quite understand, but it's on the list. Whatever that means. Well, I guess I'm kind of trusting, um, or at least pretty forgiving. Um, I did go to college, and sure, okay, I mean, I feel like I struggle with selfishness, but I'm not really sure about the rest. So what's that, three out of eight? Do I, do, do I fit the stereotype of an only to you? Okay, let me tell you a story. All right. Once upon a time, a girl, that would be you, had a tiny Zen garden on her desk at work, and someone touched it. I know where this is going. And the girl, still you, freaked out in a very understated way, as in didn't say anything. But then that girl, still you, talked about it frequently for months on end. Okay, now first of all, that person touched everything on everybody's desk all the time. If you had a cell phone, he'd open it up and look at your contacts. It was super annoying. But also, I had made a really nice pattern in the sand. I mean, come on. I didn't really play with the stuff on his desk. So why did he have to go and mess around with mine? I'm sorry to bring up a pain. <laughs> Pretend I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry to bring up such a painful memory. I mean, it is interesting, however, that I don't match the expected MBTI type, at least not in my head. As an only child, I should technically apparently be an ESTP, which is crazy to me. I guess the onlys are much more likely to be thinkers, possibly because they aren't under much pressure to be agreeable with siblings. Um, or arguable with siblings. So one article I read said that only children are 32.1% more likely to be INTPs and 15% more likely to be INTJs like you. But they're less likely to be ESFPs, which is uh, like 44% less likely and negative 34% likely to be an INFJ, which is what I am. So basically... I don't fit my type at all, if you believe the data, because as an INFJ, I'm basically the exact opposite of an ESTP, which is what I'm most likely to be as an only child, supposedly. So why do you think that was? Oh, <laughs> you know, getting all psychological <laughs> that's, on that's me. My, that's my psychology mm, voice. Well, psychologist um, voice. I'm clearly an alien and don't fit in anywhere. So um, now I'd like to apply for unicorn status and I'd like to have rainbow hair. Um, there can be only one unicorn. So I suppose you could be a narwhal with rainbow hair. A whale? Way less magical. No thanks. An alien with rainbow hair? <sighs> Maybe. I mean, okay. 
whatever, this is irrelevant. But getting back to the topic, I think there are some key reasons that I don't completely match the only child profile. My parents are pretty strict, and I was very sheltered, and I was a very shy kid who preferred reading and drawing and making up my own little worlds than going to summer camp. I hardly ever stepped a toe out of line, so I definitely did not exhibit behavior problems. I was probably the most agreeable child ever. I you was still are. <laughs> not. I was the oldest cousin in a tight-knit family group, so I kind of felt like I had siblings. And I will admit to the part about really wanting things to get done my way because I was um, bossy. So it sounds like your birth order personality as an only was deeply impacted by how your parents nurtured you. Uh, maybe. I don't know. How do you think you fit based on your birth order? As a pink unicorn, I wasn't born. My existence okay. is a result of people <laughs> believing in unicorns. Is that a Tinkerbell reference? I've never met that unicorn. He or she sounds very loud. <laughs> I mean, with the oh, Tinkerbell. God, Bell. Tinkle, tinkle, tinkle. All right, tinkle. All right okay. <laughs> Let's pretend for a minute that you were the youngest child of three. I tend to think that youngest children are the most free-spirited and that they have more fun. Okay, I'm going to read the official lesson. Let's see if you fit in with the stereotype. High social interest. Highly agreeable. The most rebellious. The most empathetic. The most artistic and less scientific. The most popular. They prefer activities that involve social interplay. What the hell? <laughs> Perceived as spoiled, and they have the lowest IQ. Have you met me? You the human, or are you the pink unicorn? My human manifestation, of course. The one that has two older siblings. Now, here's the thing. I can vehemently deny most of those attributes, except for the point about being most artistic. I am the artist in the family, probably because no one else wants to be. As a teenager, I dressed weird and I made all these weird clothes. I shaved my head, but I didn't rebel in any way that truly mattered. I wasn't a spoiled kid, but maybe that's because I was the child that my parents hadn't really planned for. There was this big trend in population control at that time, and the idea was just to replace yourself, so a pairing should just have two kids, and I was a third. So, Interesting. Yeah, I know. I'm the extra kid. And I also would say that I was the high performer in the family, at least when it came to academics. I was very ambitious and driven, and I graduated college when I was 20. So, um, yeah, I guess based on all that, do I seem like the youngest to you? <laughs> well, you're definitely free-spirited, pink unicorn. Nay! <laughs> but also, I find it really interesting that you said that you didn't rebel in any way that matters. Which I found really interesting, but you were you acknowledged that you were rebelling, but you were putting qualifications on how you rebelled, which I thought was interesting. So what I would say about that is my parents didn't think I rebelled. Does Got that it. make sense? Got it. So I was the crazy kid wearing all this crazy stuff, but, but you, my parents didn't care because you, they didn't they didn't say you have pink hair, you're rebelling. They're like, you're a free spirit, and if, however you want to express yourself, that's fine. But if I had different parents who were like, yeah, yeah, you need to, you know, dress like a normal person, that would have been rebelling. You didn't rebel for your parents, but were you a rebel, or did you think that you would have been considered a rebel in social circles at your school? Because you had the shaved head and the crazy clothes. I mean, was, <clears throat> was what you were doing social rebelling versus parental rebelling? 
It was just creative expression, and it wasn't necessarily rebelling. It was just, just like... That's how you wanted to this be. This is... I just wanted to be a unique individual, and that's how I chose to express myself. But you're right. In the uh, parameters of social norms, it may probably what would have been seen as, as rebelling. So that, that also goes to, how do you define a rebel? Is a rebel somebody who just doesn't conform to social norms, or is a rebel somebody who purposely is, what's the word I'm looking for, opposite, who purposely sets themselves up to be in opposition to something or someone. So you're, the really, I mean, and you're right. both. You're right. Is it a question of intent? Yeah. I think of rebels being people who do something to trigger a reaction. Intentionally. So, yeah, and I never was like, I'm going to shave my head or I'm going to wear these crazy clothes because I want to show the man, you know, or to be contrary. It was just, I don't want to be boring. I think everyone else is boring. So I'm going to. So interesting. I'm going to, I'm going to be different. And because I was homeschooled for eighth grade through until I went to college, I didn't have those social norms. If I had went to a public high school, yeah, I'm sure I would have been kicked to the rebel crowd. But when we went to our homeschool group, there were like the snotty parents who would give me sideways glances. And my mom and my dad didn't care. Interesting. I just think because my definition as a kid of who a rebel was didn't have anything to do with intent. I was just so enamored with people who were so comfortable being themselves that they could do anything they wanted. My parents were so strict, there was no way that I could have decided to shave my head and have pink hair, regardless of what my intent was. Mm -hmm. So it's it's interesting to me that you qualify that as a rebel, as somebody with intent. I guess the intent and also bad behavior. So I wasn't smoking or doing drugs or drinking in the bathroom or anything like that. (laughs) I was a good, wholesome girl. Just with a shaved head and crazy clothes. Pink hair? Exactly, exactly. Shaved head, <laughs> black hair, you know. I, every, people made assumptions about who I was based on what I looked like, and they never met. I was always the girl. I think I told you this. I mean, we would go to raves, and, you know, I'm totally wholesome. And I was the first person people would come up to and ask for drugs. And it was like... <laughs> And Rebecca was like, um, I got none. You can ask my friend. But no, that says a lot about what we as society think about people who are like who dress differently. Right. It really does. Like, it's kind of sad when you think about it because you're just out there doing your own thing and enjoying yourself. And I think that also is something that happened a lot in the 80s. Right. I feel like we were very judgy about the way people looked in the 80s. Yeah. I I would hope that it's uh, I would hope that it's different now. But But, probably not as much as we'd like. Well, and and I think that. (laughs) That goes, this is a whole different topic where where you like, you have people who, there was a, there was a great podcast that Malcolm Gladwell did on this, but basically people who have the low threshold versus high threshold and people who care more about what people think about them Mm -hmm. and versus people who don't care. And if you're someone who doesn't care necessarily, it's easier to be that person who's like, I'm just going to have my pink hair. Right. And I don't care if you, you rebels think I'm a wimp and I don't care if you if you good kids think I'm a rebel because I'm just I just want to do what I want to do which is I think a great place for us all to figure out how to right. be. just be happy with yourself whatever their issue is with you it has nothing to do with you and it's all about what their own personal issues are which is interesting anyway that's a very zen <laughs> thing to say so we're oh. going back to fourth order I know you are definitely the most free-spirited and you are one of the smartest people that I know but that IQ stat 
seems really hinky anyway. So, I mean, how can birth order really affect your IQ? Really? Clearly the womb used up all the IQ points on the older children. Oh, this is it. Science. Hormones? Science is real. Hormones? <laughs> no. I don't know anything about hormones. I mean, I know some oldest children who, well... Okay, never mind. We're not going to go down that road. But that bit about the population control thing, i that's really interesting as well. I had no idea that the goal was to just replace yourself. So anyway, I learned something new today. Ta-da! So, ta <laughs> So does your MBT, do you think your MBTI type matches your birth order, um, Miss Unicorn or Rebecca or whoever you are right now? Nay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, like you, my MBT type doesn't completely match my birth order. Apparently, youngest are typically extroverted and perceiving with a slight leaning towards sensing over intuition. Um, the only one of the dichotomies that is not influenced is thinking versus feeling. Hmm. So compared to the general population, youngest are 22.2% more likely to be um, ESFPs and 14.3% more likely to be ES. TPs, and they're less likely to be ENTJs, and that's by about 12%, and INTJs by about 10%. And so, as you know, I'm an INTJ, but, you know, the research also said that being the youngest child seems to have the least amount of impact on the MBTI type. If I heard you correct, the ESFP was what you're supposed to be, which is exactly the opposite of what you are. Right? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, and, and I was exactly the opposite of what I was supposed to be. We are contrary Marys. We are contrary Marys. Anyway, I did read an article that basically said that birth order theories don't necessarily hold up unless you're from a larger family, like maybe five plus kids. So maybe that's why you don't fit. So what's your excuse then? It's not like you can be an only with four siblings. A rainbow unicorn. Okay, fine. I bequeath the role of unicorn to you, but... Just for this episode. Yes! All right. But now I think we should review the stereotypical attributes of the oldest and middle children for our listeners playing along at home. So let's start with the stereotypes of the oldest. Um, What's the first thing you think? Bossy. Uh, Now, see, I think in control. Which I guess is a nicer way to say <laughs> Just bossy. Just a nicer way to say bossy, but okay. Um, so right now, let's see what this list of attributes say. Okay, I have it here. So can you give me a drum roll, please? I'm a unicorn. It's hard to hold the drumsticks in my little hoofs. Oh, wait. You're the unicorn now. I got this. All right, all right, all right. Okay. The attributes of the eldest include high achievers in general. They are highly motivated. They take on a lead role. They can be influenced by authority, most influenced by authority. They can form more to your parental values. They can exhibit some type A behavior, high self-esteem, responsible and conscientious, self-disciplined, least emotional, confident and competent, conservative towards change. They're very active, high activity levels, most likely to have frightening dreams. Well, that's interesting. Uh, right? Well, that's all that stress from all that other crap up there. <laughs> I, I mean, my so. God, all that type A stuff has got to come out somewhere. They're most likely to be narcissists, <laughs> which is interesting. All the, all the first children in the world are just wanted... They just turned off. That's well, because no they had all those... Listening. You know, the, all the womb, extra womb 
womb something got something from the womb who's kidding who are we kidding there's no for there's no first children listening to this podcast <laughs> we're a little bit too unicorn <laughs> um when it comes to mbti types eldest children are almost 20 percent more likely to be estjs and 18 percent more likely to be intj rather than the general population and they are less likely by about 15 percent to be estp huh a lot of those things actually sound a lot like me. I would agree, but I also don't think that eldest children are going to run around calling themselves unicorns. Well, see, I'm no longer the unicorn. You are. That's right. But actually, I also identify with a few of those things on that list. Jeez, Carrie, I don't think eldest children run around calling themselves unicorns. Okay, right. Fine. Whatever. Can we talk about middle children? <laughs> yes. Okay, so I tend to think they are somewhat indecisive and insecure. I think they are lost and that they need a lot of attention. Here's the list of attributes for middle children. They include high sociability, which I'm really jealous of, uh, feelings of not belonging, fewest acting out problems, success in team sports, relating well to both older and younger people, Choosing to compete in a different area than the oldest child, which is smart. Um, they also tend to be more faithful in monogamous relationships. Interesting. Right? And in terms of the MBTI, they are, this is crazy, 41.7% more likely to be ISFPs. Wow. And 22.2% more likely to be ESFPs than the general population. So I think that's the strongest... That's the biggest percentage. Right. Yeah, wow. there's, that's the most defining um, <clears throat> birth order as far as MBTI. Um, and they are less likely to be INTJs and ISTPs, both by about 30%. This list is so much shorter than the other lists. Middle kids always get the short straw, or in this case, the short list, don't they? <laughs> well, I actually think that middle kids are the most underestimated i mean they're just doing their thing right they're trying to differentiate themselves from their siblings they're trying to get noticed even on tv the characters who are the middle kids are often not the loudest or the smartest but i always want to root for them especially when their true personalities start to come because i'm always rooting for the underdog you right know? like i don't did you watch downton abbey of you course. Did. did you? Yeah. Okay, so I was surprised that you did for some reason. While I was exercising. Ah! I binged it. You binged it. Oh, my gosh. So Lady Edith Crawley from Downton yes. Abbey, she was a middle child, right? Yes. And she became this, like, publishing woman, and she had a baby on her own, and she did all this amazing stuff. But when she was in her family unit, she was, like, the one that nobody cared about. Like, she was just Edith. Like, nobody cared. But she was amazing. And she was more interesting. And she was a very interesting person, yeah. So now I guess we looked at all the different birth orders. Yep. And um, we talked about how we fit in. Yep. Um, we don't really we have don't. representation of... Aliens and rainbows. And yes, whatever. unicorns, whatever. Um, and I'm sure our <laughs> listeners at home are playing along and going, I don't fit in. Exactly. This is not me at all. <laughs> and you know what? According to the White Campbell Psychological Birth Order Inventory, or the... P-B-O-I, boy, 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 um, a test developed to measure whether people fit for their rank in the birth order yep. 
only 23% of women and 15% of men are a true match. Seriously? Why didn't you tell me this before we did this podcast? Because you were so excited about this topic. And also because it's kind of interesting. All right. Well, just like the MBTI, I guess birth order is just another way that people will try and find a way to put you in a box or to explain or maybe justify who you are or how you feel about yourself. And I wonder now, knowing this, what all those birth order book authors are doing now. Like, do they still... (laughs) Like, are they still writing them? Is this still something that we still talk about? Because, I mean, whatever. You know, I think there are situations, certainly, where they fit. Obviously, it works for about mm, 15 to 23% of the people in the world. But I think why it doesn't fit is because there's so many factors that impact how right the birth order classifications feel. The first of these is actually temperament. So does the firstborn fill the need that the family has for the eldest child? So if you come from a long line of pastry chefs and you're allergic to sugar, you may not end up acting like the firstborn. Okay, all right. I mean, I I guess I follow that. And if you consider a more traditional example, maybe it's how ruling families need to secure a male heir. Yeah, you're right. And in fact, gender is the second factor. This isn't just sexism at play. It is also that when the first two children are different genders, they often both behave like firstborns. And a secondborn can even move to the front of the pack personality-wise. This is something that can often become quite clear when the parents finally get their boy or their girl. In larger families with a lone girl or a boy, that unique status will also enable the child to escape his or her stratum. Okay, so I have a friend who's technically the youngest, and and she has an elder brother. There's only two of them. But she kind of acts like the oldest, and he kind of acts like the youngest, which maybe kind of fits in with that. Well, that's interesting. Did she push him down a lot when when they were kids? I don't don't think she's physically violent with him. I think she just... Or is she? Very organized. I don't know. She just, she she, she, out, she outplanned him. <laughs> she did. She had a calendar. She outplanned she was, him. She was a you know a little kid and like oh well she's amazing. This this day, I'm in charge. Oh, you missed your day. Yeah. I'm. This is my day in charge. She, so yeah. Nope. You missed your day. She will take charge. Mm-hmm. She's take charge kind it's of. It's that take take charge personality. Yeah, then. She's so very it's the assertiveness. Yeah. yeah. That makes sense. Okay, so the third factor is physicality. So, yes, size matters. If a kid can throw their weight around, they can figuratively and sometimes literally climb up the pecking order. The fourth factor is age spacing. The closer the kids are together, the more competition. You know how you competed with your imaginary twin? how, How did you know about my imaginary twin? I always wanted a sibling, and I just thought being a twin would have been so cool. And you were the evil one, right? Of course. I was the the rebel. They were the good one. Always. In your dreams. In in your dreams. (laughs) So if kids are born too close together, um, the characteristics don't really fit. People are most likely to align with birth order behaviors when they're born like three or four years apart. At that point, kids are close enough in age, but have room to be themselves. Many experts believe that five or more years between kids is just like a reset button. So what about twins? 
I mean, they're born seconds apart or minutes apart. How does birth order change them? Twins are actually pretty unique. They are the focus of parents. In general, there's less competition between identical twins, and there's more competition between fraternal twins. Interesting. Yeah, and actually there's an interesting study that showed that one fraternal twin is a boy and one fraternal twin is a girl, that the girls actually have more issues later on in life as far as being being successful, doing good in school, and doing good in their career. Really? Yeah, it's because the boys take all the testosterone in the womb. Again, it's Whoa, the womb. The womb. The womb. The womb. We've it's said the word the, womb oh, more. No, how many times have it? But testosterone figures that would be the testosterone that would. Yeah. Be, right? So, do you think that show business twins get? competitive about how many times they get to be on screen like maybe mary kate and ashley olsen were like duking it out in the trailer between <laughs> takes like just the idea of the pigtails flying when they were little when i, I like it back when they were on full house yeah, right full. like even before they like knew they right. were just like they'd trip each other and it would be like eh, she's got a dirty diaper they're crawling over their sibling <laughs> okay. to get to the door when they Awesome. Or maybe they'd be like, I don't want to do it. I'm tired of smiling. Well, maybe it is all about nurturing from the parents then. And what they have the capacity for at the time, maybe? Maybe. The fifth factor that affects birth order, I guess, personality, um, is specialness. Ah, uh, the specialness. The specialness. And, for example, if you have a prodigy or if a child has special needs or assumes a different role in the family, like if they're the caregiver for a grandma or something, the acting birth order may change. So, and I think personally, this was a big thing in my family. Well, I can see how being a pink unicorn would impact the family pecking order. Nay. Actually, you're the unicorn. Let's, let's, let's remember this. Right now, you're the okay. unicorn. Adopt it. Own right. it. Well, Otherwise, it. you can't be the unicorn. Okay, I'm owning it. My hair, can you see how rainbow and sparkly it's, it is? It's flowing. Yes. Tell me about how the pecking order was different. Ben, and it would be the neighing order. But you're not the unicorn right now. Okay, fine. So... <laughs> But I think it really started with my brother, who was five years older than me, and he was actually diagnosed with Asperger's as an adult. But when I was little, everyone just thought he was really, really weird. Um, add to that, um, I think my mom was done with kids by the time I came along. You know, that whole, yeah. you know, replace yourself. And not in a mean way. Know. You know, just, she just wasn't expecting they just me. You were just a surprise. I was all. just an extra you present. You were a surprise all the time. Ta-da! Um, and so she didn't really seem all that excited to have a third child. And she was happy to delegate my care to my sister, who was two and a half years older than me. And she became my mama missy. Interesting. So, in some ways, I was almost raised as kind of like an only because my brother wasn't around and my, my sister, sister was doing it. Yeah, and okay. she loved to do it. And um, But it is really super weird that my sister, who is the middle child, she competed with me on everything, but I didn't compete with her. You know, she wanted to have higher grades than me. She got really mad that I went to college before her, I graduated college for her. I bought my house before her. She got really, really mad. But I just didn't compete with her because I just kind of thought I would win. <laughs> so I was like, eh. Because you're an INTJ. Of course I you did. Like, <laughs> yeah. And, and so that sounds really arrogant, but I was just like, I don't understand why this is a thing. Just let me do my thing. But, um... 
And so maybe it is. Yeah, none of those things. Like you said, maybe it's just the fact that I'm an INTJ and it was so strong that it superseded any sort of birth order um, personality that I should have had. Well, you just came out a mastermind from the second that you took breath and the rest of them never had a chance. (laughs) Nay, 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 nay. (laughs) I like that. I was a unicorn. A a unicorn mastermind. mastermind. I like it. That's 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 your new Twitter handle. Unicorn mastermind. Oh gosh, I want to go see if it's out there. (laughs) Um, Look for Rebecca, the unicorn mastermind, on Twitter. I think with birth order, it all comes back to the question of nature versus nurture. It's really hard to say there is going to be one set birth order personalities based on how many variations there are in life experiences and how kids are raised. And I think, you know, I almost wonder if things are shifting based on the changes in how children are raised these days. Well, things are changing in that respect. But how does that play in with your MBTI type? Do you think those are set at birth? I guess I always assume that the MBTI type is more of a factor of nature versus nurture. I'm an INTJ who is has parents who are INTJs, one for sure, and I one suspected. To me, I always thought about it in terms of blood type. You know, even Isabel Briggs Myers believed that MBTI type was set at birth. So I guess I thought I just inherited it. So how about you? How do your parents' personalities mesh with yours? Well, so I think I have one INFP parent and one... ESTJ parents. So they basically cancel each other out, which is why I'm a pink alien. But weirdly, you're a pink, pink uni- unicorn. Rainbow, Rainbow unicorn. unicorn. All right, whatever. Own it. I'm I'm a fictitious creature. But weirdly, I do butt heads with my ESTJ parent. That's my dad a lot, and I guess we're supposedly a lot alike, but seriously, I don't see it. He doesn't have a unicorn horn like you? You know, I'm not really sure that I like being a unicorn anymore. It's too much work, right? That horn upkeep is a little bit of a drag. <laughs> Frankly, it's just, yeah, it's a little, I'm poking myself with it. Anyway, I think that's all we can really say about birth order theory. Yeah, so do we agree that birth order is not a great predictor of personality? I do think it's the sort of thing that you either feel applies to you or not. And I think it's a thing we like to assign to other people and like, oh, she's definitely an only child or she's deaf, you know, like you people do that. But I don't think the science of it holds up at all. And once again, um, personality tests, I guess, prove to be uh, less than definitive. Big sigh. Big sigh. It just means we can continue to quest <laughs> for the shattering personality tests all over the world. That's what, that's Next, what up. Next up. Next are, up. Are you a hobgoblin? <laughs> what Hogwarts house are you? What kind of Debunked. unicorn? What kind of unicorn are you? <laughs> all right. So there you have it. Another episode of the Introvert 360. Please subscribe via Apple Podcasts and check out our website at www.introvert360.com for previous episodes, including ones from our Calm Capers podcast. We're also on Twitter and Facebook. Please leave a comment or review if you liked us. And I think we're done unless you have anything else. Actually, I did want to say something to our listening audience. Ooh. Do I leave the room? No, no, you can... (laughs) 
We are always working hard to improve, and one of the opportunities that we identified is providing a more comprehensive introvert perspective on the pod. We'd like to have a hush of introverts. Hush. 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 Uh, we, that's our official name for our in podcast listeners. At, you're all a hush of introverts. And uh, we'd like to ping you guys for additional perspective. So right now, we're only representing one quarter of the MBTI introvert types. If you're an opinionated introvert, especially one who loves to declare your MBTI types, um, we want to hear from you. So please send us an email at introvert360podcast at gmail.com. You know, I was just thinking birth order seems to be one of those things that people agree with quietly. You know, you don't see people advertising their birth order status on social media. You would if you were into Game of Thrones cosplay. Rebecca of Minneapolis, last of her name, mastermind of the unicorns and lover of cake. <sighs> right. <laughs> you were supposed to do your mastermind laugh or nay or whatever. Oh, sorry. Wahahaha. Nay, 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 nay. <laughs> okay, that was good. Enough. You can have some.